There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer, and today is Saturday, November 13th, 2021. Today's a special episode where we're going to do a roundup of Crypto Goes Mainstream, a Decrypt Yahoo Finance collaboration conference that happened November 9th, where Decrypt spoke with a lot of influential people in the crypto space. A lot of breaking news happened that day, and we're going to go through a summary of that event in just a moment. But first, let's get into those crypto prices. Bitcoin is sitting at $64,708, up 2.5%. Ethereum, $4,690, up 2.5%. Binance Coin up 6% at $650. Tether, number 4 in Solana at $236, up 6.3%. Running off the top 10, we have Cardano, XRP, Polkadot, USDC, and Dogecoin. Total market cap, we're at $2.82 trillion. A BTC dominance of 43.1% and an F dominance of 19.5%. And finally, without further ado, a summary of Crypto Goes Mainstream Conference, a partnership between Decrypt and Yahoo Finance, and I sit down and talk to Editor-in-Chief of Decrypt, Dan Roberts. Editor-in-Chief Dan Roberts, how you doing? Welcome back to the show, sir. Good morning. Happy Saturday. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely, absolutely. Man, you just told me you were out, what, playing tennis in November? Got to, uh, you know, sometimes you got to leave the metaverse. For the physical world, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I got I to gotta take your advice. But right now, I'm still elbow deep in the metaverse, in the Cryptverse, because you guys had an amazing conference the other day. It was November 9th. It was Crypto Goes Mainstream with Yahoo Finance and Decrypt. You had some amazing speakers there. Some news was broken. And I just want to go through and get the highlight reel of this. Uh, first things first, I saw that you had the COO of Robinhood on the show, Christine Brown. And tell me, what, what did Christine talk about? Yeah, uh, you know, Robinhood has made a lot of moves in crypto. She is the crypto chief over there. We started right off the bat. I asked about the email breach they had because unlucky timing for them. Just the day before, they had like 5 million customer email addresses hacked. They came out and said, we don't think any financial information was stolen. But, you know, I, I had to lead with that and I used it to ask her about security because they are building a wallet, which they announced in October. And, you know, nothing could be more important than security if they're launching a wallet. And, you know, she surprised me by saying, yeah, we have 1.6 million people on the wait list for the crypto wallet. And I wow. said, oh, is that a number you've shared yet? And she said, no. So always good if we can break a little news on stage at these live events. Uh, that number got a lot of pickup. And then the second thing that came out of that interview that also got a lot of attention, everyone's kind of wondering, when is Robinhood going to list SHIB, Shiba Inu? Because they've made so much of their crypto revenue off Dogecoin. And it's a company that hasn't shied away from meme stocks, meme coins, and some people think it's inevitable they'll do Shiba Inu, but I also think that now that they're publicly traded, they've got a lot more scrutiny on them than ever before. I mean, they got the SEC up their ass, you know? So I asked her about SHIB and she took what I think was, was meant to be a shot at, at places like Coinbase. She said, our strategy is a little bit different than a lot of the other players out there who are just racing to list as many assets as possible. 
And uh, she said, we're in no hurry to do that. We think the short-term gain we might get is not worth the long-term trade-off for our users. Mm. So of course they might totally contradict that and list Shiba Inu in a week, who knows, but it sure sounds to me like they're in no hurry and that they might feel some type of way considering the whole thing is like a joke, you know? I mean, it's a joke coin. And, and, and just to refresh our listeners' memories that uh, 40% of the revenue that came from Robinhood came from crypto and 60% of that revenue came from Dogecoin. So adding right. something like SHIB would probably help their revenue out considering that Q3 wasn't the best for at least Coinbase. Do we know how Q3 was for um, Robinhood? Yeah, Robinhood also had bad earnings that came out a week before Coinbase's. And of course, it's because all these companies make their revenue on trading fees. So if people are not trading certain coins, those trading fees go away. And the, the numbers you mentioned are exactly right. I mean, two quarters ago, Robinhood had great earnings and a huge percentage was Dogecoin. And they warned in their earnings, you know, were heavily reliant on Dogecoin trading. And it was like, whoa. So then last quarter, not so great, because as we know, Dogecoin went down. Now, as we talk, crypto has been up, 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 all time highs. And so the earnings always lag what's happening right now. In other words, the earnings were bad, but right now crypto is doing great. So next quarter, when we get the current quarter's earnings, I suspect that Coinbase and Robinhood will have done great since uh, since all the coins are, are mooning right now. Speaking of mooning, uh, Bitcoin has been up since the first uh, you know spot ETF was sent yeah. to the SEC back in 2013. I think I just saw a tweet today, and don't quote me on this, please, anyone, 12,000%. Uh, and the tweet was, thank you, SEC, for protecting us from a 12,000% upside. You guys had... Uh, you guys had Grayscale's CEO. Grayscale is being very aggressive trying to get that spot ETF. Uh, they probably are in the best position to do it because of their hodlings or Bitcoin uh, you know, assets under ma management. What did uh, the CEO say about that? Yeah, um, it was interesting. I mean, it's funny when you say Grayscale is probably best positioned. I think that might be right. But also, suddenly they look a little bit behind, like Grayscale scrambling to try to convert its products into an ETF. Oh, um, and, and we'll see what happens. I mean, but but you're right. I think that, you know, suffice to say, this company is going to succeed. You know, they're not going anywhere. They're not going away. Um, so he was asked about the ETF and what it means for them. And they've already come out and kind of announced, like, we want to convert our products into a Bitcoin ETF. But of course, what they really want is a spot ETF, i.e. an ETF that's actually tied to the current price of Bitcoin. And that's what we haven't seen approved yet. You know, I mean, the futures ETF is almost like a workaround. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. It's funny, just quick, because you mentioned those tweets where, you know, usually it's like Ryan Selkis of, um, of Masari. Actually, I think it was to, Ryan. <laughs> yes, people love to tweet out and they're like, oh, thank you, SEC, for protecting us from these great gains. And it's like, well, but that's not really the point. They're not, you know, the idea, the idea that crypto's up isn't a retort to say, see, that's why you should stay away and not regulate it. They're regulating it because he thinks, Gary Gensler thinks it's so volatile. So showing that crypto's up is not really an argument, you know, in favor of SEC leaving it alone. It's just fine to me. Just, you know, when it comes to Grayscale, Matthew, I thought more interesting than the ETF stuff, which is like whatever and first associates them with, is that Sonnenschein, the CEO, ended up kind of pivoting the conversation toward the metaverse. And boy, if you had asked me which mm. current big name crypto companies are deep in the metaverse, I would not have chosen Grayscale, which is more of a buttoned up. How investment. so? How are they deep in the metaverse? Well, so as you mentioned, they have a number of um, investment products tied to certain coins. They have the Bitcoin Trust. They have the ETH Trust, Zcash Trust. They also launched just a couple of weeks ago a Decentraland Trust. And so uh. it holds Mana, 
which is the Decentraland coin. And it's like, well, that has paid off because mana is up 250% in just two weeks. Wild. And of course, the irony there is mana has gone up in part thanks to all the talk about the metaverse. So thanks in part to Facebook, even though crypto people have ridiculed, and I think rightly so, Facebook's pivot to the metaverse. So make fun if you want, but all the metaverse stuff has been great for mana and for other metaverse tokens, and that has benefited Grayscale. So, you know, in the metaverse, you know, one big, I think things that's going to be in the metaverse is NFTs. And, you know, there's nobody bigger in NFTs right now than Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk of VaynerMedia. Uh, everybody should know who, who this guy is. Uh, but he has been, he has his own NFTs. They're called V Friends. They have, it's basically him doodling sketches and, and putting them on NFT form. People are buying them up and therefore, you know, tickets to conferences and so on and so forth. Uh, you spoke to uh, Gary V. I'm, uh, what did Gary say about this whole space? It's funny when you say he's become so big in NFTs, he certainly has. But the other thing is because of his kind of persona and his social media, you know, vibe, and he's got millions and millions of followers, but, um, you know, he, he sort of has a very uh, in-your-face, aggressive, you know, rip it, kill it, pump it, you can do it. And he's written all these kind of self-marketing books. There are people out there who just kind of roll their eyes at, at Gary Vee stuff. And I think they're wrong. I think he has proved a lot of them wrong over and over again recently. I mean, he launched his own NFT collection. It has done very, very well. I mean, he has people who just eat up everything he says and want to devour any content involving him. It really is amazing. So when it comes to NFTs, what I appreciate is even though he has bought a bunch, has pumped them, believes in them, has his own collection, he also is kind of no bullshit when it comes to the fact that you know, he, he has this soundbite that 98% of the current NFTs out there are going to be worthless in a few years. They're going to fail. They're going to look like stupid investments. And I think he's right. But that doesn't mean that NFTs are a bubble that's going away and that they're stupid. The high value ones will remain. And to me, it's we're already seeing a shift where, you know, we're seeing a bifurcation between the, the NFTs that are just static digital images, money grabs associated with some celebrity versus NFTs that have an actual use case. Maybe they are your ticket to an event. Maybe they are your pass to get into a club. You know, Bored Apes, you can't get into the Discord, you can't go to the meetups, you can't get the cool merchandise unless you own an ape. Uh, Mark Cuban thinks that NFTs are going to be used for, for tickets to get into games. All of that mm. is pretty cool. You mentioned the metaverse, NFTs that are used as, as pieces in a virtual game. All very cool. And I think that's going to be the split and toward the end of our conversation, the thing he said that got a lot of play was he said he thinks an NFT winter is coming and prices will go down like crazy and mm. it will lead all the same places to come out and say, see, NFTs are dead, NFTs are dead. But that's not the case. You just got to hold on. It'll be like the Internet bubble bursting in 99 where, you know, yeah, Pets.com and other companies will crash. But the Amazons and the Googles are going to remain and emerge as the winners. Um, no. specifically, Matthew, listen to this quote. He said at the end. Buying an $18,000 llama with a taco in its mouth created by a stranger, that's high risk. So he's not out there telling everyone, go buy NFTs. <laughs> no, he's saying it's high risk. <laughs> that's that's 100% true. Now, look, is there actually any kind of prophecy? You look, you've been, you know, reporting in sports and finance and, and, and you know, just in this in this, this space and other spaces for a long time. And you've been through markets. And look, everybody's we're seeing all time highs in the crypto space. We're seeing all time highs in NFTs. We're seeing all time highs in the stock market. We're seeing all time highs. And look, Rivian just came out with with their IPO and right. they went 100 
million, I'm oh, sorry, a hundred billion dollar valuation uh, after a couple of days of trading, which is absolutely insane. It's very easy for everything to be all time highs and then everybody predicted to be a winter coming. Obviously, do you think yes. that there's any kind of uh, weight to this? Because that's what we're hearing. And once once it happens, everybody looks like geniuses. But it, what, what are you actually feeling in this market? Well, first of all, it, the crypto market historically does always come in waves, right? Um, there's sort of price resistance levels. As soon as we get a certain above a certain level, it, it, it sinks back down again. You know, we were looking for 60, finally got to 60, 61. Then it went back down to the low 50s. It goes up, it goes down. So you're right. It's very easy and obvious to say that considering the all-time highs right now, there's going to be a big crash again. I think there probably will be a correction, but that's a little bit different than a crash. It's kind of hard for me to see. And look, again, the big caveat here that I always say don't listen to anyone who claims to know with certainty what's going to happen next in crypto prices. Right. No one knows. That said, what's really hard for me to envision is another mega, mega crash all the way down to like below 20K. I mean, you know, after we saw the, the initial all-time highs back in April, where it went to like 62, it crashed all the way to like the 30s, right? And that was a major, major 50% crash. It's hard for me to see that happening again. Now, I won't be shocked but things are just so much um, mainstream. You know, we, we were talking about our Yahoo Finance conference that we held earlier this week. I called the conference Crypto Goes Mainstream. It's just more mainstream than it's ever been. 2021 has been the biggest year for crypto by far, not even close, eclipsing the previous frenzy year, which was 2017. And so it's everyone, right? I mean, it's brands, it's sports, it's TV and magazine advertising, it's publicly traded companies that have bought Bitcoin for their balance sheets. It's hedge fund people. It's Wall Street types that previously said crypto stupid and now they believe in it. And it just seems like I never like to use the phrase too big to fail. But what I say at the very least now is it's not going to go away. It's not going to suddenly collapse tomorrow. You know, the people who are still skeptics about crypto, they say, what if it all goes to zero? It's not going to go to zero. So here we are at, you know, 60 something, we've seen 70 something, we've seen ETH all time highs above like 4,500, whatever the all time high for ETH was, everything's mooning, Solana is going crazy, you know, BNB coin, it's hard for me to see something that would send everything down by 50%. That's a, that's a really good point. And you know what? And I, I want to you know pivot this over to talking about FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried, who is also at the conference, yes. uh, because he is making big investments into um, brand recognition. He's also yeah. diversifying because he's buying esports teams. He's putting his name on the Miami Heat Arena, which is now the FTX Arena, uh, and, and a lot more things, because he said that he we are, speaking of FTX, is behind in brand recognition. And you yes. see the same thing happening with Coinbase and Robinhood and uh, Voyager and so on and so forth. Uh, this diversification, this investment into the, I would say in air quotes, the real world uh, <laughs> is kind of a big I guess, move to make sure that this is solidified in not only pop culture, in uh, the economy, in, you know, day-to-day -day life, as this is going to be part of, you know, our, just what we talk about in the future. Well, let's go to FDX Arena and watch a game. Uh, what else did Sam Bankman-Free say and, and uh, say about that? And what is your opinion about what I just said? Yeah, it's been so interesting to me, the sports advertising, because I had the chance to ask him, uh, I sat down with him at the SALT conference in New York last month, and I asked him, is all of this spend on sports marketing working? And by working, what I mean is, can you tell that it's directly leading to customer acquisition? You know, and, and that's the part I'm skeptical of. Is an NBA fan walking into the Heat arena saying to himself, oh yeah, FTX, you know, I've been wondering about buying some Bitcoin and maybe now I'll try FTX. 
I have some skepticism about that. You know, I, I think that for now, a person in the U.S. who has passively read some headlines about Bitcoin and now they've decided, I think I'm ready to buy some, they're likely to go to Coinbase. If they've heard of any crypto brokerage, it's likely Coinbase. Or it's one of the non-crypto only companies that now allow you to buy crypto through their app, Robinhood, PayPal, Square. And Sam is totally right. FTX is coming from behind. That was his phrase. When it comes to name recognition, he has targeted sports as a way to do that. And what he said to me, I thought was really interesting. He, he, he said, honestly, I don't yet have data that can prove that. But at the very least, I can definitely tell that it has already helped with our brand awareness. He said, you know, running ads during the NFL or Major League Baseball games does stuff for your brand awareness that Facebook advertising just can't get you. And I think that's mm -hmm. probably right. And let's keep in mind here. I mean, God, the Heat deal is for 19 years. They signed a 19-year sponsorship contract, a company that didn't exist three years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is crazy. So, you know, I think FTX has made up huge ground already from this spend, this kind of onslaught. I mean, look at the Moon Man ads. Uh, right. As someone who watches a lot of live sports, you can't avoid seeing them. So it's going to be really interesting to look at actual data like transaction volume, activity, customer acquisition, and see, you know, in a year, is FTX gaining massively on Coinbase, Binance, Kraken, Gemini. Hey, speaking of Moon Man, really quick, do you think there's anything, uh, any weight to that lawsuit with Jack in the Box? You know what? <laughs> it seems ridiculous at first glance because my sister is a trademark and IP intellectual property law professor, and she often says that oh. when one brand sues another, all that matters is, is their likelihood of confusion. So for example, would someone confuse the FTX Moon Man with the Jack in the Box logo or mascot? And probably not because one's a crypto thing and one's a fast food joint. That said, I do think they look similar. I mean, the mascots do look similar, but I highly doubt that FTX even thought of Jack in the Box when they came up with the Moon Man mascot. With your, and this, I'm, I'm totally going backwards on this conversation, but with your experience in sports and you watch a lot of sports and you're into sports, I just want to juxtapose this with this question with, you know, the FTX arena the crypto space, these brand synergies, and with the Cleveland Browns really quick. And this might be a stretch, but I want your opinion on this because of your deep knowledge of, of both all industries involved. The Cleveland Browns plays at First Energy Stadium. And First Energy has been uh, riddled with uh, fraud and scandals and, you know, because their dealings with the um, Ohio state government. And there's been a lot of corruption involved with that, uh, with them and uh, the Ohio government in, in Columbus. So now you have this brand synergy, First Energy on the Cleveland Browns stadium. Uh, and, and they have this, you know, kind of interesting, you know, kind of dynamic where the fans are saying we should change the name because of this corruption and so on and so forth. Maybe I should say alleged because I don't know if there's any lawsuits or any kind of like verdict on this as well. But now we are seeing this, you know, FTX arena and the heat, and we don't know what the crypto market is going to look like in say four years. We could go through winters. We can go through. Do you think that there's any kind of negative consequences for like this kind of um, brand synergy that's being created in the crypto space with these different sports teams that could negatively affect these sports teams in the future? Absolutely. I think that's absolutely a concern and a risk. Why do you think the NFL held off for so long? Of course, now they're beginning to inch in. You know, players have their own NFT things. Brady was big on it. Aaron Rodgers likes crypto. Now they're letting individual teams do NFTs. The Patriots just launched a fan token with Socios. We covered that. But the NFL is a league, hasn't done nearly the same kind of public buy-in to crypto or NFTs as the NBA and Major League Baseball. And it was the same with daily fantasy sports. You know, the NFL was the last league to embrace DraftKings FanDuel the way that other leagues did. 
And there's a reason for that. They're worried about their reputation. And, you know, look no further, Matthew, than the story about Discord this week, which I think was one of the most fascinating news stories of the week. Uh, Discord's CEO tweeted out an image teasing the possibility of a Discord integration with MetaMask, you know, the Ethereum wallet. And much to my surprise, he got immediate blowback from Discord's core users who are mostly gamers, hardcore gamers. I didn't know that so many gamers hate crypto. And it's ironic since crypto and gaming continue to converge more and more. But a lot of them feel like crypto is a sham, it's a fraud, and it's bad for the environment. Now, of course, you and I know there's more nuance there than that. But point being, uh, crypto definitely among certain circles still has an image problem. And so absolutely it's a risk for any of these major companies or sports entities to align themselves with crypto. So why do you think it's the, the NFL staying out and NBA and MLB is going hard in it? Do you think it's just because NFL is the biggest and most profitable uh, sports franchise in the United States and they don't need, they don't need, even need to care when the other ones are playing catch up, especially the MLB where you know interest is waning? Yeah. Well, it's that. They're the biggest, they're the cash cow, but also the NFL has always been extremely protective of its brand. And Commissioner Roger Goodell famously, his, his pet phrase that he actually uses internally is protect the shield. The shield is that NFL logo. You know, protect the shield, don't do anything that could damage the shield. You know, the NFL tries to have this image that it's wholesome, it's family friendly, it's, you know, uh, classic, it's Americana, even though, of course, as we know, it's riddled with issues like, you know, racial justice, politics, domestic violence, things that happen off the field, but it really cares about its image. And as you said, it doesn't need to do such things. The contrast with the NBA is it's the most internet friendly, social media friendly league. It's the most open league. Mm. It encourages and welcomes its players speaking out on issues and doing whatever they want. So the NBA was early with NFTs because it did top shot. Now the NFL has partnered with Dapper Labs and is gonna get a top shot of its own. And I think that'll be really interesting because it's the NFL, and it's so big. Will it be an instant success? Uh, maybe, maybe not. It's a little bit different. You know, I'm not sure that the same number of people want to pay money for an NFL highlight NFT the way that young teen NBA fans flocked to Top Shot. Last question, Dan. And first of all, thanks for you know going through this. Can you point out, please, uh, at least one more highlight of this conference that we want to make sure that everybody knows about? Yeah. So uh, briefly, we had Blau you know, written as 3LAU for a long time. I thought his name was 3LAU, but it's Blau, DJ Blau, pretty big Twitter following. He is a DJ and musician. His name is Justin Blau. And he has really gone big on NFTs, uh, not just owning a bunch, but then he announced his new platform called Royal and it's NFTs for music. And there's been a lot of talk for months already about the ways that NFTs might be able to help musicians, help them earn more. You know, musicians and bands get screwed by platforms like Spotify. They get like pennies per, per play. So we started that interview by playing a Blau song before his interview that is fan owned. It's like a tokenized song that fans own 50% of, which is a pretty cool concept. So his new thing is called Royal. And the idea is that every track from artists who join Royal could be tokenized and sold as NFTs. And that could bring more revenue to the original artist. I don't know if this will catch on or not, but I think it's really, really interesting. I think it's really interesting because there was a report, I think it was either earlier this month or late last month about Timberland 
uh, coming out yep. with his own NFT and he's going to exactly. put uh, on NFTs like different hooks or different tracks so you can mix and match and create your own mixes and those will be part of the NFT uh, I don't know the NFT music space or whatever uh, which I thought was pretty cool anyway Dan Roberts editor-in-chief of Decrypt thanks for coming on the show and talking about this lots of interesting things that came out of this conference this is amazing amazing win for Yahoo Finance and Decrypt um, and I just love these conversations because we are literally pioneering the future of tech and finance and art and sports right here as we see it. Honestly, live every day is something new. I love it. It's so uh, fast moving, really fun talking to these people. They're always willing to talk because everyone geeks out about this stuff. And I would remind all your great listeners that if they want to rewatch the event, the whole event can be seen on our website if you go to our videos section. So it's decrypt.co slash videos. And we've got every interview. You can either watch them individually or we have one video that's the entire day's four and a half hour event in one video. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. Talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. I'll see you back on Monday. Same Matt time, same Matt channel. And until then, happy hodling, everyone. <laughs>